You're listening to Radio Tab's Mobile Rolling. Presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound. Making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. Split 57 6 the half, and as they come towards the home corner, they're about to run for the money, they're about to run for the glory. It's Catch a Wave, the leader, ahead in front of Lead to Fame, getting out after it. On the inside, Captain Ravishing, all dressed up, nowhere to go. And then came the Lost Storm, it's Cyphers putting in a claim, the mare, she's coming quickly as Leap to Fame quickly goes to Catch a Wave. Here comes the mare, and Cypher down the outside, the mighty mare's out after Leap to Fame, and Cypher goes up, puts the nose in front, comes away, a famous victory, and Cypher beats Leap to Fame, third captain ravishing, fourth over the race. That was it, the big one last weekend, the Tab Eureka. Leap to Fame started a short price favourite, but as you heard, the only mare in the race was able to win it in Cypher. Now, Chris Barsby joins me every Saturday morning on Select Racing or Racing HQ Saturday. And this is what he had to say to me when we spoke about this race on Saturday. Two horses that haven't got any mentions this week, one in particular that I can entertain is the mare in Cypher. Now, she's the only mare in this race. Consider this. She's part of the all-conquering Emma Stewart Clayton Tonkin stable, and she's going to be driven by one of the best, if not the best driver in the country, and Luke McCarthy. No one's mentioned her. If you're playing the exotics with Leap to Fame, I'm certainly going to include her. Bang. Chris Barsby, good morning. Well done. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it probably didn't go to plan or go to script like most expected. Once Leap to Fame parked outside of Catch a Wave, everyone just expected him to be too big, too strong. But given that the times that they ran, and these these deserve really close consideration, these times. The mild rate was 151.8. That's for 2,400 metres. Just to give you a little bit more context with that, the Linsmith mile for open-class horses, rock and roll do... 151.1. He ran 800 metres less than what they did in the Eureka. And when you look at the last race, the Consolation, the Stockade, sure thing, Captain, his winning time was 157.4 for 2,400 metres. It was unbelievable the time and the ferocity in which they raced in this Eureka. So it only adds to the merit of defeat for, for Leap to Fame. Like, what more can he do? Like, he's run the last mile in 51-2, sitting park out three wide to the chair. But this is the question, Steve. Where does it end? How fast can these horses go? Mm. Like, we've seen it now. He's been beaten in the Blacks of Fate. They went unbelievable time there. Now he's been beaten in, in the world's richest race, the Eureka, and they've gone 51.8 for 2,400 metres. So it, it is extraordinary. And yeah. it's almost... It's another conversation in itself, but comparing champions of today with those of different eras it's just complete folly it is just you're comparing apples and oranges because it's just so different our style of racing has evolved and changed so much we've got different race bikes the tracks are better the tracks are bigger and it's just it's just a waste of time mm. really Luke McCarthy's about to join us I just want to mention Captain Ravishing what about him he showed that speed off the, off the gate yeah 
first up. Yeah. Well talked about his dramas, you know, lacklustre trials and all that. But yeah. that was a good effort first up against these sort of horses in that sort of time. Unbelievable training yeah. performance, that one. First up in six months. Hadn't started since mm. the Miracle Mile. And he came out like lightning like a there. Rocket. Yeah. yeah. It was unbelievable the gate speed he showed. So hats off to the crew there with Captain Ravishing. That that was something special to How see. How many G1s for this man? Uh, well over 70 now. So oh, there's wow. only two drivers that have got more Group 1s than Luke McCarthy in Australian harness racing history. Name them. Uh, Gavin Lang. Yes. Um, Little man. <laughs> um, I did say it earlier. <laughs> yeah. I just uh, mental blame. Uh, Chris Alford, of course. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So how old's Luke? Uh, Luke's only just turned 40 or about right. to turn 40. So we're just saying he's 50 to 1 on to do it. Yeah, well, there's every chance that he could easily go past um, both uh, Chris. Chris is number one, Gavin's number two. So let's talk to him. Let's see what he's got to say. Luke, good morning. Congratulations. Yeah, good morning, guys. How how was that on Saturday night? Uh, the fact that this was the world's richest race and you've been able to land a drive on a mare that wasn't really considered by anyone and you just sail down the outside and knock off the, the boom horse. Yeah, look, it's a massive... Through Chris, it's, um, you know, Clayton Emmett gave me a lot of confidence with the mayor talking to him, you know, before I went on the track. And, you know, I, I thought she could be third. You know, I had catch wave leading, like the same outside him. And, of course, you know, if I could settle close enough to him, you know, I figured I could... I'd, I'd definitely give myself a real good shot around third. But you don't expect to get over the top of a Miracle Mile in a, or a leap to fame. But, you know, the way the race was run, they went so hard you know, just brought me into the race and, and she done the rest and finished it off super. Did it feel like they were absolutely flying from the get-go? Oh, not really. It's them good horses can just run time at Menangle and, you know, you knew we were moving probably from about the 1,000 metres is when we really stepped it on. And, um, you know, it's it's a very fast track and them top horses can just run time on it. Mm. Now, when you went past Leap to Fame, it looked... It looked easy visually. When, when you're watching the replay, you sort of just cruised up and, and went on by. Was it as easy as it looked? Oh, no. Like, you saw, when I pulled her out, she felt, you know, she felt super. She was moving really good and just depended how much gas leak the fame had in the tank. And he couldn't have went any better. He went amazing. And like I said, I was just lucky enough that the race was sort of set up you know, for a run-on horse, and, and I was lucky enough to drive it. Luke, just watching the replay now, you basically went out and two back, but you just waited, didn't you, right to the top of the straight before pulling and cipher out? Yeah, it's a funny trackman angle. You can you just got to... you sort of got to wait as long as you can. If you if you pull out on the corner, you, you, you use too much gas and you run ends, you know, 50, 100 from the line. So if you can sort of hold them up right until you straighten... It's usually the best way to drive there. But if she was a $2 chance and not you know, 30 to 1, would you have still done the same thing? Yep. You've won a world-trotting derby. You've won the world's richest race. It's almost like the focus has been on Todd and Andy in recent times with all they've achieved in North America and just going into that race, it's like, fellas, just hold my beer. Just, just watch me do what I do best. <laughs> oh, look, it's... At the end of the day, I'm just there to do a job. You know, I'm lucky enough, thanks to Jamie and Aaron Bain and Clayton and Emma for putting me on. And, you know, I was just I was lucky enough to get the drive on the right horse on the night. So, you know, I was just there to do a job and I'm glad we got the job done. How many Group 1s do you think you've won now for uh, Emma and Clayton? 
Oh, I'm not sure. Probably three or four, maybe. Yeah. Um, mainly Breeders Challenge, Carl Picks One Ladyship Mile. Yeah, there's a few there. Yeah. And, and with Aaron Bain and, and Jamie Dernberger-Smith, with Summit Bloodstock, uh, naturally they were absolutely delighted. They were they were pumped. Uh, it, it was a big thing for their business, wasn't it? Oh, for sure. And, you know, these boys are so passionate about the sport and have tipped in a lot of money and, and got a lot of new people involved in harness racing that, you know, normally weren't or, you know, they've made it so people can get involved in the sport and, you know, for them to come out and back their own judgment and buying a slot and get success straight away, well, you know, it's just fantastic for the whole their whole team. I think originally they were looking at Cobber. He went by the wayside with injury. Then they ended up going with Encipher. At the time, did you think that was a wise decision on their part? Yeah, well, you know, it's she's just got the record, got a great record. And when you're taking any horse that Clayton ever train, if they're happy with it, well, you know you're in a good spot. They're such good trainers. And, you know, she put the writing on the wall the run before in Melbourne. She win the free-for-all, beat the boys, Rock and I'll do, run a fantastic second. And then he's come out and won the Smith Mold, you know, the race just before our race. So, you know, you're sort of thinking the form's stacked up there. If she can go as good as what he did, she's going to be a great chance. Mm. We've seen it in recent years with the, the Rising Sun, one of the big races now in the in the Brisbane Carnival. Mares have got a fantastic record in this type of uh, race where it's for three- and four-year-olds. We saw Amazing Dream win the inaugural Rising Sun the following year, Ladies in Red. So why why are mares able to compete with the boys in, in these type of races? The three-year-olds seem to struggle, and they struggled again there on Saturday night, the Lost Storm and Captain Hammerhead. But why can mares go with the boys? Well, a four-year-old mare can, Chris. You know, like they're just... You think, and the three mares you just mentioned are all all stars, like, yeah. you know, Amazing Dream, Lady and Red, just champions in their own right. So, you know, it takes a very special mare, and clearly Entice is one of them. Mm. The other thing that I wanted to ask you about this uh, this morning was, that, you know, the Eureka World's Richest Race. There was a lot of hype. There was a lot of buzz around it. How would you compare that hype and buzz uh, in comparison to a miracle mile, did it feel different? Did did it sort of just exceed your expectations Saturday night? Did it not meet expectations? What was the buzz like for you? Oh, it's fantastic! You know, the crowd was unreal. The atmosphere—it's the biggest atmosphere I've ever felt driving at Menangle. Um, full credit to Harness Racing Australia and Club Menangle for the way they put it on, and yeah, it had a fantastic vibe. But as a different feeling for me because. You know, I've just rocked up and drove it 30 to 1. There's no pressure. Had nothing to do with the preparing of the training side of it. So, you know, it was just a very relaxed sort of job for me as such. And, um, you know, a different thrill to winning a Miracle Mile because you're as heavily involved with King of Swing and a lot of pressure went with it. But that was just really enjoyable. And, yeah, it was fantastic to win the first Eureka. Mm. Sort of typical for Luke McCarthy, just rock up, clear head, just go out, do your job, and away you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell me this. Uh, now, with Leap to Fame going uh, going under, uh, the, the times, as I mentioned earlier, just phenomenal. So how far can we go? Like, earlier this morning, we've seen Confederate, who's the best three-year-old in North America, go the fastest time ever for a three-year-old Colt. He's gone 46-1. Where does it end, Luke? Yeah, we'll we'll get down to that. Like you've already seen Field Marshall going forty six and change. Um it just 
like their way, just how the races run here, really, like 2,400, you, you'll never see that again till next year or maybe not even to, you know, it just depends because we don't run them sort of 2,500 metre races a lot. But you're talking about mile racing, which is only pr- predominantly what they have in America and here a lot now. You know, it's all the lead time. So if we get a race where we get something come out and go 53 and change first half, well, our horses will run 46. It's just, but it's more happens in America because the first half's always a lot quicker. And, you know, I went 53 and 1 to the half in Confederates race today, and he's killing 46 and 1. So, look, we're not that far behind him. Um, and, you know, they're getting faster all the time. Okay. So, just taking it a step further then. Does that mean that these these great horses of today are going to be around for a shorter time because we race so hard and the times are so fast? Yeah, maybe. But it's look if they're well managed and you know that they can race for a long time. Our standard breads and yeah, it's obviously very fast. But all good horses have to race hard. And like you said, it just like if Leap the Fame was in a race and something run out and went ridiculous time the first half and he was sitting just behind him. I'm sure he'd go 46 easy. Mm. I'll ask you this question because it's been posed to me since Saturday night. Uh, if he doesn't go forward and he's sitting back in the pack, leap to fame, d- d- does he win this race? Or with him being outside of catch a wave, did did that make the tempo of the race? Um, you know, it, I suppose it's a hard question to answer because we just don't know. But a few people say, well, why did he end up outside of catch away? But that's how it sort of played out, didn't it? Oh, great. Couldn't have really drove him any other way. He's, yeah. you know, he's the favourite. I, I, I personally thought he would sit out catch away outside in the beating. Um, yeah, he's just unlucky that uh, Encipher showed up as a top man, like on the sectionals. The fame was amazing. And, it just probably got unlucky, unlucky on the night that Encipher went so good. Okay. So with Encipher moving forward, uh, could she easily measure up and, and beat, uh, you know, the mares in some of these big races, a race like the Queen Elizabeth, the old ladyship mile? Is that a, a, a key target race for her moving forward? Oh, I'm not sure what their plans are, Chris, but you, you'd think she'd just target every every big mares race and at the moment she's the best mare in the country. Yeah. You wouldn't retire her, would you? Oh, I, I, I doubt it. Yeah, surely. There's a bit left uh, in the tank there. Now, just on the Lensmith Mile, Spirit of St. Louis got beaten a short half head there by Rock and Roll Do. Uh, so close, yet so far again for Spirit of St. Louis. Yeah, what a great little loss. He's, we, we were a couple of weeks short. You know, if it was on in next week or the week after, would have been perfect for him. He had a spell after Queensland and... He'd only had about four or five hobble runs before his race the week before, which he won. You know, he's almost there, but look, Rock and Roll do went, done all the work, went super. So, you know, we're not disappointed to get beat by a good horse. And I'm sure Louis will just always, yeah, always shows up and runs a good race, whatever we've put him in. Do you take him to the Victoria Cup now? Yep. Yep. He'll go to the yep, big mm-hmm. cup. So he'll meet Leap to Fame more than likely. Yeah, well, all them good ones, they, you yeah. know, when the big races are on, it's, you just got to try and have a minute and, and hope you got them spot on and get a good draw. Well, let me ask this question. Would you take Leap to Fame to the Victoria Cup knowing that the Inter Dominion's up here in Queensland? Would you just bring him home after the Eureka now and aim towards the Inter, or would you tackle the Victoria Cup? Oh, I'll stay out of that one, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
um, I'm sure Grant will make the right decision with him. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So, like I said, over 70 Group 1 wins, and uh, Emma's got uh, the most as far as Group 1 wins as a trainer. I think that was win number 114 for her Group 1. So, uh, it, it's a phenomenal sort of record, and it uh, doesn't look like you guys are going to be slowing down anytime soon. No, like you said, Emma and Clayton are fantastic trainers and have been for a long time. Their consistency's amazing. Um, and then, yeah, I've been I've just been so lucky throughout my whole career to, to get on a lot of good horses. So, yeah, it's what it's the stock you're driving more than anything. And yeah, I've, I've been very lucky. Okay, well, congratulations. Uh, they can't take that one from you. The world's richest race, you've got it in the bag with Cypher, the inaugural running. So, congratulations, job well done. Yep, thanks for having me on, guys. There he is, Luke McCarthy, joining us. So uh, one of the best, if not the best, driver in the country. So, But it was just something that I thought of. Like, we've been talking about Toddy and Andy and what they've achieved in North America, and Luke's just been going about his business, and then they put on the world's richest race, and it's like, hold my beer, fellas. Mm. I've still got it. Yeah. So just with the... The Tab Everest, Chris, normally it's a 50-50 split with the slot holder and the owners. Would it be a similar... I know it's a private arrangement, but you yeah. think it'd be something similar? I would say so. Yeah. So meet into so. the winning connections and then you've got Leap La Fame's connections, 400,000. Yep. Captain Ravishing, 200, and then 100,000 for Magician. The Tassie horse ran out yeah, of Yeah, he ran a, a ripper. Mm. So. Graham Dwyer's with us, Chris. Graham, good morning. Good morning, Chris. Uh, just talking with Luke McCarthy there and looking at those times from that race on Saturday night, they just keep getting faster and faster, don't they? Oh, yeah, that was terrific. Yeah, that was um, some display by Luke Fame. He'd done all the work and, and run some really good sectionals there. And, and all credit to the winner, it done well to win. Yeah, absolutely. Let's focus on your team today. Uh, you've got a number of runners stepping out, a couple of key runners as well. And we start with race three, number two, not as promised. Now... He's well-named, this guy. He's bred to be a very good pacer by betting line out of a former Queensland Oaks winner in all promises, but he trots, and he trots well. He looked really good first up for you. Yeah, he did. Um, we, we do like him. Uh, if anything, he's just a bit immature. He's um, racing seasoned uh, horses there today. Um, so obviously, standing start and they jump and run quite quite well here, so he's got to sort of handle that. Um you know, it could be a bit of an ask, just those few little things like that, but I, I do believe you'll go well, um, and I think there's a plenty plenty of upside to okay. him as well. All right. So he's only had the seven starts, two wins, five minors, so he's yet to miss the board. That was his first start since April when he won, and as you outlined, that was a mobile, so he's behind the tapes today. Is there any cause for concern with him lining up behind the tapes? No, I don't think so. It's just more how they, um, they, they jump and run, you know, and he, he won't have time to really find his feet. I'm not saying he can't do it, but I, I do believe um, that experience that the others will have will go their way more than his way. Okay. Is there a you know, future big race target you're looking at with him? Is a series like the Jim McNeil, is that a possibility in time to come? Oh, for sure. Yeah, like he's the sort of horse that um, as he get, you know, as we go along, he'll get better. And he's nice, like, scopey type. And uh, as, as you know, he's, he's trot, trots well and... He's got the speed there, which we haven't really seen yet, too. So well, there's plenty of things to like, but it's just probably not right now. All right. Just uh, out of curiosity, how tall would he be? Because he looks he looks really tall from my vantage point. Oh, 
Well, he's taller than me. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Hey, race six today, despondent. Uh, he's been a ripper since joining your stable. Very consistent. This looks winnable again for him today because he's well drawn and it doesn't seem to matter whether it's a mile or 2,100 for him. Yeah, like obviously um, over a mile, we're sort of, we could hold the top, I suppose. 2,100 is a bit vulnerable, but... Um, you know, we've still got to cross the one there today, so we'll see what happens. But um, he's racing well, very consistent, um, and never li- really lets us down. Yeah, the three major players in that race look to be your horse, Despondent, Obi-Wan and Aphorism, who's low flying. So I suppose if you do get the lead with Despondent, you'll have Obi-Wan right on your back, Aphorism more than likely on your outside. So at least you'll know where your main dangers are. Oh, yeah, for sure. But um, I think Aphorism's just going extra well at the moment. So... Um, you know, would have to be sort of um, a bit cautious there holding the front. I think a horse like him, you'd probably let, let it go, but we still got to get across the line anyway. OK. Uh, race seven today, Love Bite. He's been placed three of his last four. Can today be his day? Well, he's definitely um, a very honest horse. Um, I, I do believe he's just been drawn awkward um, a few of his runs. I think today it looks like more of his race. So... Um, we're going to chance our arm and, and go forward and uh, and just see how we go. Yeah, He's been good, though, hasn't he? He just keeps chipping away and paying his way. Yeah, like, you know, we paid a little bit for him, but, um, you know, he's, he's just a really good horse for Lane to drive. He, he does everything right and, uh, and it gives him something to think about when he's, you know, driving him. And, um, yeah, he's been really good. Like, he's, he's good in a lot of ways. All right. Speaking of Lane, he, he's got his first drive behind Big Shadow today in race eight. He backs up from Saturday night, beaten favourite, far from disappointing when you analyse the times, but he looks really well placed here today, Graham. Yeah, he does, but still looks solid race to me all the same. Um, you know, he's going to have to do probably majority of the work and against horses that do go quite well. So, um the main thing is I was giving Lane a go with him because he will, uh, you know, benefit from Lane's claim down the track. So whether it's the dark or down the track, I couldn't really say. But um, obviously we, we like the horse, um, you know, and I'm sure Lane will get along well with him. But whether today's the day, I don't know, because he just looks like he might have to do too much for it. What was your reaction to Saturday night's race? Well, I think we went a bit quick down the back, possibly. Um we had all the main dangers around us too, so it's it's a hard one. Um, an army's been like low flying, and I, I was always worried about that one all the way through. But yeah, he's only a young horse. He's still got you know plenty plenty of time to sort of get where he needs to be. So uh, there's no real rush at the moment. Okay, last race, really good chance here with rolled in gold. Last start winner. Can she go back to back? I think so, Chris. Um, her work's very good. Um, I couldn't be happier, actually, and uh, and the performances on the track are matching it. So um, there's no she she's worked super through the week, and no reason why she won't go good today. Okay, gate speed. She's not known for gate speed, and you've got a speedy beginner on your outside and just rolling around. So can she make sort of good use of this good draw? I'm hoping so. Like she has got some speed, um, you know. We'll find out, eh? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, two quick yeah. ones before I let you go this morning. Yeah. Um, major icon, this three-year-old, he's two for two for you, and he's looked good both times. What do you think of him? Um, he could steer a little bit better. Uh, if he steered better, I'd think more of him. Um, but it's only... He's only early days, but I, I do think there's something there. I think as we go along and, you know, getting more tractable as we go along, I think he'll be all right.
any sort of plans moving forward with him? Well, I think we need to get through this first bit, you know, first, and uh, I think the rest should fall into place. But, um, you know, I want to see it more on the track at the moment, just because uh, when you've got to steer him a bit too much, you know, it does affect him a little bit. Okay. And the other one that I wanted to ask, you had that filly that you produced just prior to the carnival, and she looked good. Golden Fire, I think she had three starts for you, two wins. Am I right in saying she's in Perth now? Yeah, uh, well... They've got the Oaks over there and uh, Tony Beavers owns her and uh, he's got horses all around the country, really. And, um, you know, he just thought there might be better opportunities over there for her. Um, you know, I'm just a piece in Tony's puzzle, really. And, yeah, so he, she's gone over there and, uh, yeah, in, in good hands over there. So I'm sure she'll do well. All right. Excellent. Uh, and just a quick one on the, uh, the Group 1 winner. Quick change. Still spelling? Yeah, still spelling. Um, doing really well, I hear. So, uh yeah, we're looking forward to getting him back. It'll be interesting to see when he comes back how much condition he puts on because he's got such a big frame. There's a bit of work that could be poured into him. Oh, for sure. Because as he went along, he kept getting better, but he kept getting bigger as well. So um, I think once he sort of finishes out, and he's got all the right attributes to be a good horse. You know, he's got that speed. He's actually, you know, he can truck along at a good tempo and, and he um, hasn't been a drama to have. So... I, uh, I can't wait to get him back. Awesome. Hey, really appreciate the time. We'll see you trackside later today. Okay, thanks, Chris. There's Graham Dwyer joining us. So uh, a number of chances there at Albion Park. So we'll see uh, if he can get into the winner's circle with uh, a couple of those runners. I'm sure he won't be too far away. Some good chances, in particular, towards the back end of the program. Let's see if we can get a winner for today's nine-race program. We kick off at 1.33. Racetrack Ralphie joins us. Ralphie, good morning. Yeah, morning, Chris. Where do we find your best bet? We can start very early today. We'll go to the race one, number one, Studley Punter. Now, you couldn't have missed his effort last week when he absolutely stormed home for second. That was behind reason to shine. And the two-year-olds carved that out in 156.9. And his sectionals were far sectional, sorry, were far better than any other runner in that race. There was a huge improvement from his first start to that start. So he's obviously the improving type. And he's drawn a lot better today. Oh, he looks the obvious choice. We're going to go race one, number one, Studley Punter. Okay, going nice and early. So race one, number one, Studley Punter. Just looking for a prize here with Tab. I'm uh, I'm tipping he's going to be right in commission, but let's just uh, try and ascertain a prize here for Studley Punter. Race one, number one, so we won't forget it. I'll track that down. Hey, just uh, quickly, your thoughts on uh, on Saturday night, the Eureka Leap to Fame going under, but uh, unbelievable performance given the times. Oh, that's for sure. That, that You know world record for the mayor and and he did all the work he carted him up i thought he i thought at the start of the race he might have got held up a little bit i think that rip was caught out wide and he couldn't he sat outside leaped to fame for a little bit and uh, and grant couldn't get the horse out when he exactly wanted him to but um in hindsight now the mayor did the better job on the night but he certainly lost no uh, no followers. Yeah, that's for sure and certain. Hey, you've gone early with Studley Punter. They opened him at two dollars. He's now a dollar seventy-five. So, you've uh, you've put plenty on by the sound of it. That's it. First leg of the extra quaddy, so I think you can stand him out there as well. All right, race one, number one. Ralphie, appreciate the time. We'll see you trackside. Okay, thanks, Chris.